Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. The Athletic. Hello, I'm Dan Bardell. And I'm Flo Lloyd Hughes. And welcome to the Athletic Football Podcast. It's Wednesday, which usually means we're picking out some of the best work available on the Athletic right now and putting the authors under the spotlight. But this week, we've got something a little bit different, Flo. Paredes. Well played by Leo Messi. Neymar's in the middle. Yeah, we'll be focusing on PSG, who crashed out of the Champions League against Real Madrid last week, and then it led to the booing of Neymar and Messi by the club's fans in their league arm victory over Bordeaux on Sunday. Flo, I think we need to discuss exactly why PSG have failed yet again to get any closer to winning European football's biggest club prize. And to help us do that, we're joined on the show today by the French football expert and regular contributor to the Totally Football Show here at The Athletic. It's Tom Williams. Tom, welcome to the show. All going off at PSG as normal. A big week last week in a bad way. And then some atmosphere, I guess, at the weekend. The booing of Messi and Neymar. Was that something that came as a surprise to you? Was it a surprise to the French football world in general? It felt very, very hostile towards two of the best players in the world. The descent was expected. The uh, the PSG fan group, the uh, Collective Ultra Paris, had put out a statement on Saturday on the eve of the game, you know, making it clear that they weren't happy over uh, the uh, elimination in the Champions League, but also various other aspects of of how the club is run. And I think, given given the nature of PSG's elimination, you know, yet another humiliating capitulation um, and, you know, in this case, from from what seemed to be a position of real strength, uh, you know, being 2-0 up on aggregate with only half an hour to play. So there was always going to be some sort of reaction. I think what has surprised people has been the extent to which it was targeted at Lionel Messi uh, and Neymar. Uh, I mean, all the players, apart from Mbappe, were booed uh, when the teams read out before the game, and they were pretty much all booed during the game. But the players who were booed the most were Messi and Neymar, despite the fact that they weren't particularly culpable for what happened in that game against Madrid. I mean, Messi didn't have a great game. Neymar didn't have a great game, although he did set up um, the PSG goal. But I think the decision to to target those two players in particular was the fans' way of sending out a message, not just about that performance against Real Madrid, not just about you know PSG's latest humiliation in the Champions League, but about the whole project. Because Messi and Neymar, more than any other players, symbolise 
this kind of, you know, Galactico's approach that PSG have adopted in recent years, just piling superstar on top of superstar on top of superstar and expecting whoever the coach happens to be to turn that group of players into a winning team. So that's the element that I think was was the most surprising uh, because everyone knows, you know, what, what an incredible footballer Messi is. Um, and, you know, for him to be getting booed by the entire stadium a mere matter of months after he was welcomed there as a, you know, as, as a hero um, was pretty striking. And I think it just speaks to the fact that, that a lot of PSG fans, not all PSG fans, but a lot of PSG fans, a lot of match-going PSG fans have had enough of this approach. They want to see a team that is properly constructed, that plays with a degree of coherence where the, 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 the star players aren't basically allowed to do whatever they want, where they will actually, you know, sort of subscribe to some kind of footballing project. Um, that's why Messi and Neymar copped it, you know, more than, more than anyone else. Obviously, the, the result against Real Madrid was the straw that broke the camel's back a little bit. But in the statement, it's quite a long statement. It mentions players going to Fashion Week, among other elements uh, of the last few years. But there's a sentence there about the club's current situation requires complete reorganisation at all levels going forward and the daily presence of its president. So a lot of it seems to be really directed um at the kind of hierarchy, President Nasser Al Khalafi. So, what's I mean? What are the other issues at play here, bar just that that embarrassing defeat? I mean, where do you start? There are so many issues at PSG. I, th- I think the fundamental issue is the sort of drift that has been allowed to set in on the sporting side. And you know, you compare PSG to Manchester City, for example. Manchester City have put the sporting side of the project right at the heart of it. They are, before anything else, a very well-run, very successful football team who hired the outstanding coach of his generation and then gave him the means to build the sort of team that he wanted to build. And we've seen the success that they've had off the back of that, albeit they too are still yet to win their first Champions League. What's happened at PSG is that the coach is not at the heart Part of the project at all. I mean, they, they have hired some of the best coaches in the world in, in recent years. Um, you know, Carlo Ancelotti, Laurent Blanc, Unai Emery, Thomas Tuchel, uh, Mauricio, Pochettino, uh, Mauricio Pochettino. And, you know, the last one who, who really succeeded in giving the team any sort of identity was Laurent Blanc. And he left in 2016. Ever since then, we've seen a succession of demonstrably accomplished coaches struggle with this this bloated squad with all these superstar players and ultimately fail to, to, to find a way to, to make them a, you know, play attractive football and B win the champions league, which as we know, you know, has been the, the main objective of the Qataris ever since they arrived. I, I thought it was interesting that the, um, the statement that the CUP fan group put out on Saturday named Al Khalifi uh, because that hadn't happened before. Um, and one of the reasons for that is there is there's there's quite a close relationship between Al Khalifi and that specific group of PSG fans because when the Qataris took over, the PSG ultras had been banned from the stadium because of all the violence uh, that had you know that, that had been a recurrent issue in, in previous years. 
and that happened in 2010. The Qataris arrived in 2011, and it was only at, at Al Khalifi's behest in 2016 that the fans were allowed back in to, to the stadium because he saw, and I suspect probably you know, felt a bit of pressure from the players to bring the fans back in, knowing the sort of benefits that would that would give the team. And I think that's why previously those those PSG ultras have been low to criticise Al Khalifi because they are so sort of dependent on him for, for access to the stadium. Um, but he is, you know, he wears multiple hats. Uh, Al Khalifi, you know, he's also in charge of, of of being sports, and and you know, he's not present in in Paris, you know, uh, on a on a day to day basis. And I think there's a feeling within the fan base that the football side of things just needs shaking up and it needs people putting in place who are going to run it properly. Um, and, uh, you know, I've seen no suggestions whatsoever that, that, that the Nasser Al-Khalifi is, is, is in any danger in terms of his position as, as PSG president. But I think if you sort of look a little bit further down the hierarchy, there's a general acceptance that Mauricio, Mauricio Pochettino will leave at the end of the season. He hasn't been happy at all, really, uh, you know, since he arrived in, in January last year. And then above him, Leonardo, who's one of the other faces of, of you know, the, the current PSG project. He, more than anyone, is, is responsible for the recruitment strategy that has seen PSG just pile up all these superstar players, you know, without really thinking too much about how they're all going to, you know, how they're all going to fit together. So I think if there is to be some kind of shake-up on, on like a management level, it's probably more likely we're going to see the coach and the sporting director depart than anyone higher up the chain. Yeah, I was going to ask you about Leonardo because it's quite a, a one-direction transfer policy, just bringing in the, the, the big stars. And surely at some point he must come un, under some pressure because you spoke about Man City and the way they develop. They've got kids coming through, that everything's geared around the academy, geared around, around the infrastructure within within Manchester City Football Club. Paris, it doesn't really seem like that at all. It does just seem that there's this massive focus on being a brand, bringing in the biggest names. And I guess that's what the, the ultras are sick of. Yeah, I mean, I think if you look at their recent transfer dealings, what they reflect is that rather than being focused on long-term planning, Leonardo is more of an uh, more of an opportunist, someone who reacts to possibilities. You look at the fact that they brought in Sergio Ramos last summer, Gianluigi Donnarumma. They didn't need to sign Gianluigi Donnarumma. They already had one of the best goalkeepers in Europe in Kayla Navas, a goalkeeper who had never put a foot wrong for PSG previously. Very popular within the changing room, particularly with all the other South American players. But they saw the opportunity to sign Donnarumma. Leonardo, from his links with, with AC Milan, has got lots of great connections in, in Italy. Um, and I guess they saw it as one for the future. But then what that means is that all of a sudden, Mauricio Pochettino and his coaching staff go into the season having to, having to manage this really uncomfortable situation of having two elite goalkeepers, both of whom deserve to play, but who can only play one game at a time. And, uh, you know, of course... You know, unfortunately for him, Donnarumma was was the guy who sort of precipitated the collapse in Madrid with with that error um, for the first goal. And you know, even though I don't think you can you can attribute that to the way that that he's been managed by Pochettino, the way that Pochettino has managed the goalkeeping situation, it just sort of shines a spotlight on you know that that lack of you know that that lack of sort of foresight in terms of um, you know in terms of how that the squad is assembled. I mean. PSG's academy does produce good players. 
Um, you know, that is something that has improved a lot since the Qataris came in. I mean, the number of players who'd slipped through the net previously, we all know what a, you know, what fertile uh, terrain that the, the Paris suburbs are in terms of producing young players. And historically, Paris had done a very bad job at holding on to them. In, in, in recent years, they've, they've been bringing more of those players through. But again, the difficulty then is that, you know, players might get a few minutes in the first team, um, but they are happy to compete with all the superstars. And so in recent years, we've seen a lot of those players getting a taste of first team football at PSG, but then realising that actually they're, they're, they're better served by leaving. You look at some of the players who've you know, ended up in the Bundesliga, Christopher Nkunku, Moussa Diaby, uh, as a couple of examples, who you know are, are absolutely flying uh, in Germany, um, having you know having seen that the writing was on the wall in terms of their in terms of their you know first team opportunities, and I think that's something that that the, the fans you know that the fans who protested during the Bordeaux game at the weekend want to see more of. They want to see a team with a more with a clearer local identity. You know, you look at that PSG team when everyone's fit. The only homegrown player who starts is, is Presnel Kimpembe, um, who is you know an exceptional uh, defender, but again you know prone to inconsistency, prone to the odd mistake. Um, Adrian Rabiot previously you know, but but then left to, to Juventus. So um, yeah, that is that is something that that I think the fans would like to see. Uh, change um, and you know Leonardo he admits that he's not very good at at, um, at selling players that he's much better at buying players than selling players and and so PSG just sort of rack up players and you've got you've you know you've got get like Julian Draxler Julian Draxler has been at PSG for years you know they they bought him in January 2017 and he had a brilliant four or five months and you thought wow what a player and then they signed Mbappe and Neymar that same summer and he disappeared and he's been there ever since. And every time they try and sell him, he's like, well, actually, I, you know, I'm, I'm OK. I quite like Paris. You know, I get quite well paid here. So I'm, I'm good. I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to stick around if, if that's all right with you. And the same thing with all the other squad players who, who don't play, but, you know, who would much rather, you know, be picking up their you know vast wage checks every month rather than, you know, leaving and going abroad. And yeah, it, it, it has left PSG with this this big, bloated, unmanageable squad. Um, and I think Leonardo has to carry responsibility for that. What about Messi as well? Because obviously he it seemed like he didn't want to leave Barcelona, um, but there was also an aspect of could he be the final piece in this ridiculous PSG puzzle of superstars? But I think anyone who's watched them at all this season can tell something's not quite right, doesn't look happy, doesn't, but he doesn't seem to be playing with the same kind of freedom and 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 joy that he played with at Barcelona. So, what's the feeling on his future? I mean, it's really sad seeing what's happened to Messi this season. I mean, he you know you get the occasional flicker, and it hasn't all been bad, but an awful lot of the time, you find yourself watching him and thinking, what what has happened to him? It, it feels like one thing that strikes me is that he's not lost his ability to deceive defenders and throw them off balance. But he seems to have lost that, that first little burst of acceleration that used to take him away from people. And you see him occasionally attempt to get past someone and the sort of the skill is still there, but that, that, that little burst has gone. And it, it could be a reflection of the fact that, you know, quite apart from the enormous upheaval of having to leave Barcelona against his wishes, uproot his family, join a club he didn't want to join, move to a city he didn't want to 
you know, to to move to. You know, last summer was 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 quite tricky in terms of his sort of physical preparation because he had the Copa America with Argentina, big emotional high of winning it for the first time. Didn't get much of a preseason. Then he's got this big transfer, and immediately he's he's in the PSG team. He's had you know a few sort of uh, injury issues. He had COVID at one point, so you know it could be the case that he needs a bit of a rest and that he'll come back even stronger next season. I get the impression that if you were to ask him if he could click his fingers and go back to Barcelona, would he? He would absolutely snap your hand off. But the problem is that he's under contract until the end of next season. Uh, and then there's an option for, for another year. So if he is to leave PSG, someone needs to buy him out of his contract. And, and, and PSG showed last summer when they rejected that succession of offers from Real Madrid for Kylian Mbappe, that they're not prepared to, to budge when it comes to relinquishing their, their superstar players. And particularly when, you, when you, you take into account the fact that Mbappe looks increasingly certain to leave PSG this summer for Real Madrid in what will be a huge reputational blow uh, to PSG, quite apart from the fact that you know they will lose arguably the world's outstanding player at the moment. The fact of, of having said repeatedly, we will never sell him to Real Madrid. He will never be allowed to leave. He is the project. He is the future. Him losing is, is, is a massive body blow to PSG. So that will only double their determination to, to hold on to Messi. So, yeah, even though he's obviously not quite right, I, I, I think it's very difficult for him to, for him to, to, to leave PSG this summer. Um, and I guess the hope, the hope from PSG's perspective and from Messi's own perspective is that he'll be able to have some rest this summer. He also has the World Cup in, in Qatar at the end of the year, probably his last chance to, to, to win it with Argentina. So let's hope as, as, as football fans here that, that he is able to use that time off over the summer to sort of, you know, rediscover some of that spark that, that, that he seems to have lost. Because, yeah, at the moment you, you watch him and it is just, you know, I mean, he's, you know, I, we, we shouldn't forget that he's 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 joint top of, of the league on assists table at the moment with Mbappe, ten assists, and there have been signs in the last few weeks, notably when Mbappe was was out injured. Uh, sorry, when Neymar was out injured, of a real complicity developing between Messi and Mbappe. Messi in a slightly deeper role, threading the passes through to Mbappe. That's worked really well. So it, it hasn't all been terrible, but yeah, he 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 hasn't looked like the player who we you know who we all grew to love at Barcelona. Let's talk a little bit more about Mbappe because you know at the top end of the show we're talking about him being the only one that doesn't get doesn't get booed. So at the moment he's the only player that, that the fans like. He feels like the face of the league, that the face of the team. He's like their young superstar. All, all the other superstars feel like they're coming to, towards the end a little bit, entering their thirties. Some of them are, are mid thirties. PSG can't replace him. I, I can't see how how they would replace what Mbappe brings, and that's going to bring its own difficulties. Yeah, I mean. Mbappe is irreplaceable as a footballer in that, you know, there's obviously only one player capable of, of doing what he does at the moment. And he's also irreplaceable in the sense of what he represents as a child of, of, the, of the Parisian suburbs, France's key player. You know, there are so many things there that, that PSG will not be able to replace with only one player. If and when they lose Mbappe, they will they will look to make a superstar signing to replace him. Usman Dembele is someone who is continually linked with PSG and, and he ticks some of those boxes as 
you know, as, as, as a young French player. But then at the same time, if you look at what's happening at Barcelona at the moment, you know, they, they look to be turning a bit of a corner themselves. Mm. The football's much better under Xavi. The results have been much better. Um, and I think people are seeing what a special player, you know, Dembele can be when he's injury free and he's playing regularly in a team that is, you know, that is, that is going well. So yeah, it, there is no obvious Mbappe replacement. Um, you know, I think what is certain is that if he if he does leave, you know, PSG will will feel will feel obliged to to spend a lot of money um, and and bring in a, a big name uh, replacement. But yeah, he he is he is basically irreplaceable, and I think that's why his his departure, which looks increasingly likely, is is going to be so painful. It's not going to be Ronaldo, is it, Tom? <laughs> Just, just carry on with what they're doing, PSG. Let's let's just bring in Ronaldo I mean, and throw him into the mix. It would be like the most PSG thing ever yeah. to end up with like a Neymar, Ronaldo, Messi front line uh, when all three of them are sadly past their best. Ten years after, it would actually be the ideal scenario. Yeah. They're, 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 they're always two steps back, it seems. Well, yeah, exactly. It'd be like, you know, like Manny Pacquiao and Floyd Mayweather fine having their first fight when they had like a combined age of about 85 or something. You know, PSG, one of the few clubs who who could potentially sign Ronaldo. But I think what this, what's happened to PSG this season, notably in the Champions League, which is, as we know, the only competition that that that, that really matters to PSG. You know, what what that has shown is that this this way of 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 squad building and and team construction has has not worked. It, it's it's it would appear to have reached the end of its shelf life. So. You know, there is, and this is something that that the PSG fans accuse the club of, you know, losing sight of the fact that they are a football team rather than a marketing entity. Uh, you know, that's something that was, you know, that has been referenced multiple times uh, by the Ultras this season. You know, this obsession with bringing out new kits all the time, with striking new commercials. They are nice kits. They are nice. You've got to give it to them for the Jordan collab. The Jordan collab is quite nice. If you were to judge PSG's success as a football club purely on the number of people who you see walking around, like the streets of London, where I live, for example, you'd think they must be the best team in the world because, like, you see PSG kits everywhere, yeah. um, but in the eyes of the fans, that's a sign that the priorities aren't in the right place. So I think, I think if PSG were to sign Ronaldo, it would be seen by those fans as like the biggest act of provocation, even though from a marketing perspective and in terms of you know shirt sales and, and social media numbers, it would probably be uh, you know a, a, a stratospheric success. Tom, I suppose lastly as well, looking ahead. Obviously, they're out of the Champions League now. Lost the Liga title last season. Need to need to get that back, and and everything seems to point towards Pochettino going, even before he might not even be able to get one trophy there. But it seems like he maybe wasn't even the right man for the job. And I suppose who is going to replace him? Because no one is ever going to be enough for these guys. Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to know who the ideal. PSG coaches like if you were to draw a list of attributes that that they'd need um, I mean the last few years PSG have been have just been crying out for some sort of footballing identity and they have hired coaches with very clear ideas about the sort of football they want to see Unai Emery Thomas Tuchel Mauricio Pochettino who have had success elsewhere albeit you know Pochettino hasn't hasn't won any trophies apart from at, at PSG but you know you know what an Unai Emery team looks like. You know what a Pochettino team looks like. 
Emery was supposed to take PSG away from this sort of very possession-focused approach that 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 Laurent Blanc had, had introduced very successfully and ultimately failed to do that. Thomas Sukel was supposed to give them some kind of identity, you know, high pressing, high energy. He was unable to do that. We expected that, or at least that, you know, the idea, the theory was that Pochettino would, would make this group of players at PSG play like his Spurs team did. Very high energy, up-tempo, in-your-face, a horrible team to play against. And he's not been able to do that. He gave an interview, Pochettino, to the keep in, in November, where he was asked about the footballing project at, at PSG. And what he basically said was, we are not here to put our own ideas across to the players. We are here to put PS, PSG's ideas across. You know, it's their project rather than ours, which is basically a way of saying, if you were to ask me how to put a team together, mate, I would never have signed all these superstars because I know what it takes to, to, to put a team together to play that sort of football. So, you know, do PSG go down the route of hiring these, you know, hiring these coaches with very clear ideas about the sort of football they want to play, you know, high pressing, aggressive, you know, very vertical football? Or do you accept that actually to get the best out of players like this, you're, you're never going to get them to buy into that sort of thing? Messi and Neymar are never going to spend 90 minutes chasing opposition fullbacks up and down the touchline. So do you get in, a, you know, a Carlo Ancelotti type, a Massimiliano, Massimiliano Allegri type who, you know, while they have their own ideas about football, would be more of a kind of, would be brought in more for their sort of man management. Zinedine Zidane is another one. You know, he's he's probably the coach who is who is linked with PSG uh, the most, or certainly has been, you know, since, since he left Real Madrid, ticks a lot of the boxes in the term, in the sense that he is, of course, you know, a French football great, albeit someone from Marseille rather than rather than Paris. Someone who, on the sporting side, was able to achieve huge success at Real Madrid, despite not being a kind of, you know, a, a philosophy coach. You know, just, you know, being a coach who who basically looks at what he has in his changing room, makes sure that everyone is as, as comfortable and as happy as, as they can be, builds a solid defensive foundation and then kind of allows his, his attacking players to, to express themselves. So you can see that, that Zidane, you know, might be a good fit in that respect. Um, and I think particularly because Emery, Tuchel and Pochettino, all of whom are coaches with ideas, all fail to put those ideas across in any sort of coherent, durable way. So... Yeah, I, I wonder whether that suggests that the next coach will be someone who is more of a kind of a, you know, kind of a more more skilled in management in man management. Someone who is is perhaps not such a kind of tactical ideologue um, and can just kind of get the best out of this this you know this very bloated squad of, of superstars. Two things off the back of that before we finish. So Zidane, it's kind of like the only avenue that they've got left. Really, he's probably managed the closest thing to that PSG squad in terms of when he managed Real Madrid, and he bought that Real Madrid team, the Champions League, on multiple occasions. So it, it kind of he does feel like a good fit, but he kind of also feels like the only avenue they've got left to explore in terms of that type of manager because they've done everything else. Yeah, I mean, like I say, he, I think he, I think he ticks most of the boxes. I mean, you know, he is a. Uh, he's from Marseille. He's a child of Marseille fan. That's always an issue um, when it comes to, to PSG, um, you know, recruiting people, whether they be coaches, whether they be players. But he has, 
you know, in the past spoken about being open to the possibility of coaching PSG. He sort of, you know, drew a distinction between being a, a PSG player, being a PSG coach. I think he would, you know, find it easier to to go to Paris as a coach rather than rather than as a player. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think a lot of it depends on on what happens, you know, kind of further up the hierarchy. If Leonardo is moved on, what sort of sporting director is he replaced with? You know, there's talk of that being Arsene Wenger potentially. I mean, Arsene Wenger has been the Qatari's dream since they first arrived in, in the summer of 2011. You know, could Wenger and, and Zidane form some sort of some sort of dream combo? I think in addition to this season seeming to represent the, the kind of like ultimate failure of the let's just buy loads of superstars project. I think it's also shown that expecting, you know, these very skilled, you know, very kind of innovative coaches to impose those ideas on this kind of group of players. I think that's probably passed its sell by date as well, which would suggest that, you know, the most logical thing to do next is to say, well, look, we're, we're never going to get these guys to, to to run and press as you know a lot of the a lot of the the, the recent PSG coaches w- would have liked them to. So let's go in a different direction and let's get someone who who doesn't have ideas about football that that are as you know kind of you know clear cut. Someone who can who can manage this squad with with a bit more suppleness. And I think if if that's the the road they choose to go down, then then you know Zidane. So that makes a lot of sense from that perspective. Well, thanks very much for coming and talking to us today, Tom. I guess because what you're saying is even Pep and Klopp might struggle to walk into that dressing room and, and get anything out of those players. So it really is a unique club and a unique situation. But it's been fascinating talking to you about PSG, Tom. Thanks ever so much. My pleasure. Thanks, guys. And if you want to read more on the current situation at PSG, our colleague at The Athletic, Adam Crafton, has written a piece with the headline PSG and the wreckage of another Champions League calamity. It's well worth a read, so if you're not already a subscriber, you can access it right now, as well as the rest of our great articles on the site by going to theathletic.com slash footballpod. And right now, you can sign up for just a pound a month for six months. To do that, go to theathletic.com slash footballpod. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is a paid advertisement from BetterHelp Therapy Online. Do you ever get that feeling that you need to get something off your chest? We all carry around different stresses, big and small. And when we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe place to release and discuss those thoughts and feelings and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. And if you're thinking of starting therapy, why not give BetterHelp a try? It's entirely online and it's designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule. All you need to do is fill out a brief questionnaire to match with a licensed therapist. And if things don't click, you can switch to someone new at any time with no additional charge. 
With over 1,000 therapists in the UK already, BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise in mental health. And because you listen to this podcast, you can get 10% off your first month of online therapy by heading to betterhelp.com slash athleticfootball. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com slash athleticfootball with no spaces. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Flo, still time to talk about some of the other great writing that's up on the site right now. What have you been reading? Yeah, I've actually gone off piece this week and I've picked a piece from the US. It's actually not even about football at all. It's about women's basketball um, and it's by Charlotte Carroll and it's called Mum, I Did a Thing, How Oregon's Sedona Price is Changing the Conversation About Women's Sports. Some people may have seen this last year, but last year this video went viral on Twitter of how uh, how kind of embarrassingly uh, tiny the weight room was at the women's NCAA March Madness tournament. Anyone who knows about basketball or college sport in the US knows that March Madness is the pinnacle of college sport in some ways and, and college basketball by far. And Sedona, who plays for Oregon, which is one of the biggest sports universities in the US, um, she posted this video and it was literally like they were doing a bubble tournament because of COVID. And it was like, honestly, it was like, worse than the worst leisure centers in the UK. It was like one squat rack, one bench press, a running machine. And this was for like the best athletes in the country all to share. And then and then they showed that compared to what the men's uh, teams were getting uh, at the same event. And it was ridiculous. It was like deluxe, mega equipment, amazing. And so Sedona shared this, it went viral. And then within a few days, like the NCAA kind of had to like go back between the, the, the tails between their legs and had to kind of improve things. And she kind of really outed them and really forced them to kind of really respect women athletes within women's basketball. And it had a bit of a ripple effect as well. So Charlotte's kind of talked about this moment. She's talked to Sedona's mum. And yeah, it's just like, I don't know if anyone knows her as well. Sedona is a hilarious follow on on social media because she's six foot seven uh, and she dates this girl. Her girlfriend, I think, is about like four foot eight. So as a duo, they're hilarious. She's a good follow on Instagram. Um, I think she's she's very good at basketball as well. So she may be someone who, who plays in the WNBA uh, at some point. So a, a, a face to recognise, a face to get behind. But a really interesting story about that. So that is my pick for this week. Thank you very much, Fleur. I'm going to go with the Merseyside fail. I'm not going to pick out a specific article, but I've been doing a lot of reading about Liverpool, who are obviously flying high and a great result for them on the Monday night football with Man City drawing with Palace. So I'm going to pick out the Liverpool writers because I just really enjoy reading about Klopp, reading about Liverpool at the moment, and also pick up the Everton writers, because I just feel sorry for them. <laughs> it must be horrible <laughs> watching your colleagues cover the one half of Merseyside absolutely flying, and then you're, you're in the doldrums having to write about bad thing after bad thing. So yeah, I'll give the Liverpool writers and the Everton writers a shout out this week. 
And a final reminder from me as well that you can read every article we've mentioned and so much more by signing up to The Athletic. It's just £1 a month for the first six months. So head over to theathletic.com forward slash football pod to get started. Thanks very much, Flo. Thanks to Tom Williams for joining us today. And of course, thank you to all of you for listening as well. Do get involved in the comments section. We'd love to hear your thoughts. And why not leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify if you've got the time. This was the Athletic Football Podcast. Flo and I will be back next week. But before then, Mark Chapman and Matt Slater will bring you their Business of Sports show on this feed on Thursday morning. So watch out for that. Have a good rest of the week. Take care. The Athletic.